if you are putting out good content, you can get paid for that and you deserve to be paid for that. Um, look at other industries, people are getting paid for it. Why aren't we getting paid for CrossFit? So if you start getting to that stage where you're like, I know I get good, I know I put good content, I know I get good engagement, I've got an okay following, then yeah, you can get paid for it. And having a manager means that you don't have to do negotiation, which negotiating on behalf of someone else is so much easier than trying to do it for yourself. What's up guys, it's Tom from Chalking Fitness. Really hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you're not already following Chalking Fitness on Instagram, please do. Uh, it's at Chalking Fitness, where there's not only promotion for the podcast episodes, but also news and reviews that are of real interest to the UK-centric CrossFit and functional fitness community. Hope you enjoy this episode. If you want to support the channel further, then do check out the link in the show notes. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Shocking Fitness Podcast. This week, I'm delighted to welcome another guest. I'm delighted to welcome Cheska Bagley. Cheska, welcome. Hi, nice to be here. Oh, no, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome you. I'm really looking forward to... We've speak, spoken quite a bit because we both train at uh, respective athlete centres, so we've spoken a lot in real life. Um, we're doing this on Zoom, you know, but that's a, a real kind of, a, I think, luxury and really has allowed me on the podcast to speak to many people around the country, around the globe, in fact. So really been looking forward to speak to you about a number of topics. You are the market lead of Ex-Endurance yeah. uh, Europe. You're also the owner, founder of uh, CB Management. And that's one of the topics I'm really looking forward to speaking to you about athlete management, especially within the kind of the CrossFit space, recognizing that it's quite a new sport. Uh, it's a, well, it's a very new sport. So there's not really like a done route into kind of that type of thing it's not like you join an academy as a child or as a kid and then at some point someone tells you you know what it's time for you to kind of like engage with an agent engage with the manager whatever the phrase is so no I'm really looking forward to getting your kind of insight into that so uh, but as well as being very busy off the uh, off the gym floor off the competition floor you're a you're a fellow crossfitter as well um, but also with plenty of uh, competition experience as well I was having a quick look at things like Rain Hills, Battle of Britain, Glacier Games I saw you took part in the Arnold Fitness Games uh, qualifiers as well. Yeah so I'm doing that in that's three weeks now and that's my first RX comp so imposter syndrome and I'm really scared. <laughs> oh, how exciting because that's a big RX division isn't it I think there's around kind of 50 in the RX division or something like that yeah. so something like that I think yeah I've thought why not just go for it just try I've been doing intermediate ones for ages and I've always been really scared to try and go rx and I thought let's just do it it's a good experience why not like it'll be amazing comp they always run such a great comp so I'll just try yeah absolutely it's amazing to see kind of yeah battle for middle ground kind of facilitating that at what will be in a massive expo as well for up at up in Birmingham so well um hope the hope the training's been going well for that and you're looking forward to it even if there's a, a good pinch of imposter syndrome in there I'm sure you'll be fine thank you yeah we'll see all depends on the workouts all depends on the workouts but <laughs> so I um given you're a fellow CrossFitter I feel fully uh entitled to use my typical warm-up questions so the first ones uh first warm-up question I always go for is if you were able to design your own birthday workout what are the um, three movements you'd choose? It's a good question, Matt. Um, so I think it, right, it was gonna be a really long workout. I like long workouts. So uh, if it's only three, three movements, that's quite hard, but whatever it is, it would be slow and long and aerobic. Um, something on the pull-up bar, uh, probably like chest bar or bar muscle-ups, because they're something that took me so long to get and now I've got them, I love them. So I just do them all the time. Um, I love the feeling like you're flying. So one of them, uh, probably some running, just some long running and then something like squats where you don't have to think you just do it. You know, as long as there's no Olympic lifting, no like upside down stuff, then I'm fine. <laughs> so yeah, something like that. Bar muscle ups, running and squats. That would be perfect. Uh, so, I mean, there's definitely a good, good mix there, you know, and we will, I will ask a bit more about the running uh, background uh, as well. But so when you're talking about squats there, but not Olympic weightlifting, are you wanting high volume squats then? Yeah. Kind of, uh, yeah. Not heavy. Like I, the Olympic lifting is my biggest weakness. Anything really technical, oh, just rubbish out. Um, 
uh, but straight up and down, I can do deadlifts and squats. <laughs> very little thinking. You don't really have to do anything. But as soon as you have to like do some technique stuff, then I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Want it as like as monostructural as possible, right? <laughs> as simple and boring as possible. And like, <laughs> So with regards to those kind of high volume squats, so you want in air squats, wall balls, maybe, or? No, because a wall ball is basically a thruster and no one likes a thruster. So <laughs> to be honest, I don't mind what, what weight, some weight on the bar, but um, yeah, something simple, lots of them, get the legs burning and then try and run after that. That's always fun. Yeah. See, the, the new thing that's coming in, or at least it's not new, but we saw it in the games this year was uh, D-ball squats, which kind of gets really tough. You know, do you put it on your shoulders so you can still breathe, but then your hips are all out of kilter? Yeah, it's like doing worm squats, isn't it? As soon as you're in a team mode and they're always horrible. Like my body does not enjoy doing them. It's so strange because it's not it's never super heavy, but it's just awkward. But mm. There's something like grunt worky like that I do really enjoy because you, you can't think. You're not thinking about technique. You're just doing it, and that's always good fun. Something like a sled push, that kind of stuff. You just do it. You just grind through it, and I love that. Awesome, awesome. So you mentioned there that you love, like, bar muscle-ups because, you know, that's something you've worked on. So is that something, when it comes to some of those higher skill, kind of especially gymnastics movements, are they, is that something that you'll really kind of, like, focus on for a while, like really add in extra programming, or is it something that's just slowly clicked over the last few years? Um, it's something I have to really focus on. I think because I, I've come from no kind of gymnastics background, no dance, nothing like that. Um, and I started CrossFit when I was 27, yeah, so it's been about three years. So a little bit later than a lot of other people do. So it just takes me a long time to get stuff. Like my body, I come from a swimming background. So I know where my body is in water, <laughs> outside of water. I don't know what my arms and legs are doing. So a lot of those, you know, gymnastic stuff, you have to know where your body is in space. And I just don't feel, I can't do that. <laughs> so yeah, they've taken a lot of work, but then I figure once I, once something clicks for me, then it clicks, then it can get efficient, then it's fine. Um, but that's what I love with bar muscle ups. Like they took me so long. I got my first one massively fluke. I was with the lean machines actually away on their retreat. We ran a retreat with X endurance and I got to go and just, you know, when it's one of those really high adrenaline, everyone cheering you on situations and you somehow managed to do it. I did one. And then I couldn't do another one for about five months. <laughs> um, so I just did loads and loads and loads of drills. And then eventually they started to come back and then they started to click. And I remember for ages, it took me just, it took me so long to be able to go from one to two. That was the hardest bit, like longer than it did just to get the first one to be able to link them. But again, once that started to come, like I find that so much with CrossFit, you can get the first one, but being able to get two, but yeah, that's what's satisfying. I guess that's what that's what we all love. That's what we get addicted to, right? Yeah, it's definitely. I think one of the things that keep, gets gets me keeps coming back is that that yeah, just there's so much to work on, right? And and some of it, thankfully, is less gassy than others. Uh, I do like a bit of skill work and an emom. I must admit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So. I like the for quality and not for for time. <laughs> there's there's not enough of that as, as far as I'm concerned. Like definitely. <laughs> Oh, great. That's that's the um, that's the kind of like the, the Friday session as well. The Friday pump session for quality over time. <laughs> yeah, that's always fun. Uh, great. So we've got the we've got the workout. Um, what what's your go to training music then? Is it uh, do you do you get when 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 do you so you train up at the Athlete Center in Oxford? Do you get control of the music when you're there or do you just have to listen to whatever's on in the, in, in the facility? Well, I basically live there. So yeah, I get control because I'm there all the time. And I get so, because it's always the same. Everyone's lazy when they put a playlist on. All the coaches just put like whatever's recently been played. So it's the same stuff over and over. And I, I can't listen to that for eight hours of the day. So I tend to just change it myself. But then everyone hates me because I'll put on like 80s. Or <laughs> and everyone's like, oh my gosh, we hate your music. Um, so my personal preference, like if I'm listening to my headphones, it's usually like grime or something rappy or something like that that's, you know, got a bit of a beat, it's got some words. Um, that makes me feel quite motivated. But when it's in the gym, 
I just, yeah, I end up putting like chase and status on something that's just, <laughs> yeah, it's not offensive. It's fine. But um, if I had my own way, I'd be putting on 80s music. And as soon as it gets near Christmas, I always put on Christmas playlists and everyone hates me. <laughs> is that because it's October and you class it as near Christmas? <laughs> yeah, I feel like November's like I can start to put it on. I'll just sneak it in a little bit, but yeah. Maybe once it's starting feeling cold, right? <laughs> One thing I didn't realize. So you mentioned you've got like a, a background in swimming. You know, the 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 bit of homework I did. I I know you've got a bit of an ultra running experience background but also have done what are we right in calling it bodybuilding is that yeah and then you started CrossFit maybe 20 your first open was 2017 and you mentioned you've been doing it about three years so that's about right um what's the chronology there was it swimming as like in school and then how have you progressed through different sports or did they overlap yeah it was swimming through school I was the swimmer who was you know training every morning 6 a.m coming into head school with chlorinated hair and like a mess that was me um so I swam competitively from age of 10 right through school and then carried on through uni um and did some water polo and stuff through uni but I started picking up running uh probably my late teens as a way to help with the swimming because I was an endurance swimmer I did 1500 meters mostly and then started doing open water um so like the running just really helped so I started getting into that and I did cross country through school just because I had some kind of stamina um and then towards the end of uni I I needed a bit of a challenge so I decided I wanted to do a marathon uh got training up for one uh got injured right in the last week of training <laughs> really badly injured uh so then had to pull out I signed up for another one uh it was the Paris marathon I again two weeks out I strained my like really badly strained my calf decided I'd go to Paris anyway um five miles in my calf went oh no (laughs) I was in the middle of Paris I speak barely any French and it's not like London where there's loads of supporters everywhere there's some points where there's no one and no one sort of came up and helped so it was just really traumatic experience trying to find my way back to the start and find find some kind of medical help so after that I was like right I need to take this seriously I need to start getting into some strength training and do this properly and stop getting injured um so I then third time lucky did the marathon then started doing some strength training alongside it um I then ran a whole bunch more marathons and ultra marathons I did 100k I did a few 50ks I did probably 10 more marathons but I was getting more and more into the strength training alongside it I had a PT and I was starting to it was mostly just like squats and deadlifts and you know just trying to be a bit more injury proof um and then he suggested why don't you try bodybuilding like as a different challenge like why don't you try a bodybuilding show and it was something that I've come from a background of having an eating disorder. So, you know, it's taken me a long time to be comfortable with my body. And I saw all these girls doing bikini competitions and I was like, Oh my God, that's so far from my comfort zone. I'd never be able to do it. Um, but it then was in my head and I thought it's, I should just try Like it's a good challenge. Why not push myself and see how far I've come and go for it. So yeah, I signed up, did a bodybuilding competition, was amazing, such an adrenaline rush, loved it, loved every second of it. Um, then did another one uh, and was fully planning on just doing that. And then I moved up to Edinburgh. Um, I was in London before that, moved up to Edinburgh, brand new city, didn't know anyone. And I'd, I'd heard of CrossFit by this point and I you know, knew a few friends who'd done it, but I was in London and I never, I was traveling for work all the time. I never really got a chance to try it. But as soon as I moved up to Edinburgh, I thought, let's just go to a class and it'll be a good way to meet people. And like, you know, if I don't enjoy it, it doesn't matter, but try it. Um, so my first ever class was 17.1. So they got me to sign up uh. <laughs> my first ever class. So <laughs> I walk in and everyone's like doing these burpee box jumps and dumbbell snatches and like cheering each other on. And I was like, what the hell is this? And like, there was judges. And then they said, oh, everyone signs up for the open. So you have to sign up. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing this. Completely clear as to what it even was. Um, so that was a, yeah, that was a shock to the system. But I just fell in love with it really quickly and then kind of ditched the bodybuilding stuff and just carried on with CrossFit. So I think I started taking CrossFit a bit more, like actually doing classes properly towards the end of 2017. And then it's just gone from there, really. Yeah. 
Was there an element there? And I, I don't know a lot about bodybuilding other than it appears to be training for the aesthetic versus training for the functionality. So was there this element is that they are mutually exclusive. You cannot kind of strive and thrive in both arenas particularly well. There may be some people out there who listen and go, no, you can. But I guess there always has to be at least one that dominates. They're massively. So I think there's some people who can do functional bodybuilding where they kind of do CrossFit and they, you know, still manage to look amazing. But I think if you're training to compete with bodybuilding and going and doing things like bikini shows, um, you're not functional at all. So I couldn't do a single pull-up. Like I did not have the strength at all. I remember I did a show and then did a photo shoot afterwards. And, you know, I was in the best shape of my life but so unfit <laughs> and so weak. And I remember even just like holding a dumbbell, like a 10 kilo dumbbell, um, couldn't really do much with it. And I, you're not functional. You're, it's not performance driven at all. So yeah, it's a real, it was a real shift then moving towards CrossFit and actually really good mentally. You know, I'd gone into bodybuilding, seeing it as a challenge coming from eating disorder. And I think I did it well and managed to not get too engrossed in it, but my first ever comp I stepped off stage and someone else's coach came up to me and said you do really well if you went on gear and I was like oh, okay cool <laughs> okay great feedback um and that was like that was the reality of it was you know yeah. you only do really well if you're genetically really talented you know or you go on something um mm. yeah so that then gets into a really difficult mindset and you know my second comp the feedback was my abs were too defiant but my legs were too big um and I, again that's like that's genetics like I, I lean up more on my top mm. I don't lean up on my bottom half how do I change that like how am I ever going to be able to change that so it's really hard for that to not get too much in your head mm -hmm. um, across to it was just it was brilliant being able to yeah. completely shift um, I didn't realize I needed it, but I did. And now I can look back on it and it was a really good experience, but um, yeah, I can see how quickly it would have gone really unhealthy. Mm. One, one thing I see across the, all the sports you mentioned. So from swimming, it's the 6am starts four or five times a week. It's then the ultra running and you mentioned, Oh, I got, got into marathons, but then it takes a certain amount of discipline and kind of commitment to go up to those ultra marathons. Same with the kind of the, the discipline for, for bodybuilding to get comp ready. Um, and then my experience with CrossFit, you can be very all in with CrossFit, but actually with a very different kind of, kind of goal in mind right because it is more about fueling for performance and for um you know and there's maybe a, a little bit more variety right because like we were just discussing in the in the warm-up right is that you can be all in on your gymnastics for a bit and then you can take a break from that maybe because your shoulders are knackered and focus on your squatting or you just your conditioning so it allows you to kind of be kind of all in and kind of disciplined without kind of perhaps it becoming too niche and the risk of it becoming unhealthy yeah I think that's a really interesting one it's um I don't feel it's okay from the outside people probably see it as really obsessive but I don't feel it as obsessive anywhere near the extent of some of the other sports I've done especially the ultra running like that world is kind of crazy and the feats that people do is it's bordering on just being really stupid some of the some of the ultra marathons that are out there are <laughs> um you know and to non-crossfitters they look at us and they're like how do you do that much training and how are you there all the time but because there is so much variety yeah you can focus on different things and you can see progress in different areas it's not defined by one thing you know with with the running it's defined by your time or your distance with bodybuilding it's just on your physique like there's no other performance indicator whereas crossfit you know you can get quicker stronger more efficient you know you could see your progress in just the way you move better or like your mobility improving I think that's so nice to see like you can always take a positive from a session and that's mm -hmm. amazing like no matter even if it was a terrible session I've I've been off for four days and I went in train today and it was not great because I just felt rusty and bad even though it was only four days off which is ridiculous but you can always take a positive from it you can always find what went well what yeah that's hard to do in other sports and I think it really helps us just have some perspective and be a bit, yeah, be a bit healthier about it. No, absolutely. And definitely what I think it's one of the things that keeps me 
coming back. Um, you know, it's never never been about the kind of pinnacle performance. It's more about there's so many different personal projects you can make from it and, and enjoy it. And there's then the kind of like the community, the broader community side as well, where I, I mean, I'm sure there are communities within the other sports, but I, I always think of like ultra running being it's pretty solo, right? You know, I'm thinking kind of a pretty, you know, cause well, I can't hold a conversation while running, but maybe other people can. <laughs> Interestingly, ultra running is much better than say marathon running or road running in the ultra races. You have to go slow. So you mm. talk to people like I've made great friends cause I've met them on a race and we've talked the whole way and you spend 12 hours talking to someone you get to know them pretty well. Um, but road running is very like so any of the big marathons, like no one speaks to anyone, but as mm. soon as you go to the trail marathon, it's so much better. So much nicer. No, it's fascinating to kind of hear your experience with like the training elements. One thing I'd say knowing you in the CrossFit space is training is definitely something that you do. Um, but you're also then involved with brands and now management as well was kind of was were you already getting involved with brands and seeing the kind of let's let's call it the business side of sport when you were in ultra running and, and bodybuilding as well or is that something that came along when you got into crossfit well yeah i was doing it beforehand so when i was getting into bodybuilding i got my PT certification. I was just doing it alongside work because I thought you may as well get it. Um, I did a little bit of online PT. And at the same time, I thought I need to grow my Instagram. I need to grow my social profile. So um, I was pretty early to Instagram um, and particularly in the fitness space. And it was when bodybuilding was really big. So if you were a female in bodybuilding, you could grow your profile like that. Um, so mine grew very rapidly. Um, and I was sort of, you know, featured on a couple of things with some photo shoots, which really helped. Before I knew it, I had grown a little bit of a profile. And then it's working with brands. And, you know, I saw the ambassador side of it, if you like, just naturally. And I just saw it as a bit of an experiment. You know, I've always seen Instagram as just this marketing tool to get to know. I often feel like what I post is not. I try and be as authentic as possible. I'm not trying to fit some sort of mold, but equally it's very much a marketing thing. Like what you're putting out there is a brand, you know, for me, it's very fitness driven. Um, yeah. So I just saw it as that and thought I'll just learn and figure it out. Um, which then I then came back to uni, um, in 2018 and studied an MBA because I wanted to move out of the corporate world. I'd been in management consulting for six years and sold my soul in London and didn't exactly have a life. Um, came and studied again, did the MBA and realized I kind of want to use all this that I've learned and I love fitness and I've experienced the kind of other side of it and working for brands. Now I want to work, you know, in a brand and help those people and see how that goes. So it's sort of developed quite naturally, which is nice. One of the things I, I'm always cautious of, as much as I'm a massive fan of CrossFit, both the methodology, the community, the sport, is when you're inside the bubble of CrossFit, it's easy to think it's the biggest thing in the world. But at least in terms of, and whilst there are some big names at the top of the sport who have a reasonable following, I, I still always try and bring myself down a few pegs being like, it is a drop in the ocean compared to, probably is even compared to say, like triathlon or um probably even bodybuilding right it's smaller than that and but it's very hard to see that when you're inside it right so has some of that experience you've had working with brands when you're a pt when you're in the more kind of mainstream fitness has that helped you really kind of explore the space within the crossfit world as well yeah it has i think it's given me perspective um, so, you know, I was, I was doing the kind of PT bloggy thing alongside my full-time work and then the full-time work I was working for as a consultant for some massive corporates and some of those included massive fitness companies. So I also had another perspective about it and, um, yeah, now being in the CrossFit world, I've seen how they treat other sports. I've seen the kind of money that is in other sports that is not in CrossFit yet. Um, mm. I think eventually we might get there, but there is nowhere near the kind of cash that's put into it there's nowhere near the amount of brands that's into it the opportunities just aren't there um you know the pinnacle can get good sponsorship deals but anyone below that is having to work alongside it they can't mm -hmm. full-time athlete so they're never really able to professionalize themselves like you can in other sports and yeah that's 
frustrating to see. I think it's something that will change over time, but I think it needs a lot of active pushing to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see, but it's definitely given a good perspective because I can realize what is out there and how other profession, how other professional sports work and how other brands interact with other sports. And then CrossFit is so new and so different and no one really mm-hmm. knows what it is. And then a lot of brands still don't really understand it. So they don't exactly know how to interact with it. Um, but it will get there. It just needs time. Mm. And, and is that something then that has driven you to, to kind of set up CB management in terms of like not only the sport and the methodology, even the like CrossFit is a brand within the wider functional fitness methodology. Um, but is that something that's driven you to kind of set that up because you see that it is still in that hockey sticks exponential phase? But also you mentioned there that I think there are a lot of brands that started within the space as well. So they're still working out whether they're like a, an external brand trying to move into the space or a brand that has started within the space. Everyone's still trying to, we know CrossFit love rewriting the rule book every year. And in terms of kind of like, athlete brand engagement is do you is that something that kind of really drove you to kind of want to get involved is because everything is still kind of blank piece of paper how are we going to work this yeah absolutely I think it's so there's two sides to that it's an amazing opportunity to get involved in something like management at this stage because it is so early there aren't many out there there isn't a set way of doing things you know you can kind of figure it out as you go so I feel like I'm learning as well as the sport is learning and hopefully that means in a couple of years time we both get there <laughs> so that's that's been good but also I've seen I've seen inequalities to be honest both in terms of how brands treat CrossFit because they don't understand it so they don't know if it, what investment is worth but also um and I think we'll go into this anyway but what really drove me to get into it was seeing inequality around gender and I'd come from the corporate world where there are massive problems around gender inequality that still exist. And as much as companies try and claim that they're sorting it out, they aren't. Um, I, yeah, I spent six years in a massive company, which was really male dominated and women weren't, they weren't pushing for opportunities. They weren't pushing for promotion, but at the same time, they weren't getting the support for it. So an example was I went for an early promotion to a manager level, um, like very early on which was kind of unexpected and it's you know it's a bit out of the norm but I had a good case for it and someone supported me so I went for it but uh even on getting it so I've put myself out there which not a lot of women were doing at all it was all guys that were doing it but I put myself forward for this opportunity I got it um and then I had comments about the fact that I only got it was because I was female so it's like So you're saying that women aren't putting themselves forward, but when they do, you're going to criticize them. And that criticism was coming from both men and women. I was like, this is wrong. Like how, how is anyone going to put themselves out there if you're just going to criticize and say stuff like that? So that really drove me out of corporate. And I thought, right, fitness is going to be better because it's really equal. And I thought like CrossFit will be better because look at the elite levels, like they're getting the pay the same, look at membership levels. It's pretty equal in most gyms. I thought it would be better. And then I work for a brand and I see that all the people that are approaching us for opportunities are guys. Um, really rare to get any women approaching or trying to you know, get a contract or get a deal. Um, anyone who's negotiating is a guy. Like women aren't putting themselves out there. At the same time, women aren't getting the representation that the guys are, I think particularly in the UK, particularly at that kind of mid-level, like not, not quite CrossFit Games, but not sort of your everyday athlete, you know, they're trying to make it. It tends to be the guys that are getting the big opportunities. They're getting the big contracts. They're getting the sponsorship deals. They're getting the media. The women aren't really. Um, so then there's this massive gap and it just doesn't make any sense. And I saw that and was like, this is wrong. And I just, it drives me crazy because I've come from the corporate world where I've seen this. Now I'm seeing it again. Like how is anything ever going to change? And I thought CrossFit was a really equal sport and it's not. And yeah, that really drove me to it because I just thought this is ridiculous. And I had some friends who were fantastic athletes who just were not getting the deals. And I knew the deals that some other guys were getting and they were so much more. 
and I just couldn't understand what the difference was. You know, they had pretty much equal following, had the same like track record, and yet they were being paid so much less and it just didn't make sense. So that drew, drove me really into it and is why I've sort of focused mo- mostly, uh, mostly on female athletes. And I really want to mm. just a make them see their own worth and make them see their own value and how much they should be paid or, you know, that they should, they deserve that. But also to see, to get the brands to see that they, they need to promote them and push them and give them this opportunity because yeah, they're not going to get otherwise. Mm. Now that's, that's really interesting. And I'm really glad you kind of raised it. And one of the things I'm really keen, I recognize that I am a kind of white middle-class male, right? And it's, it's one of these things where, and when people start talking about privilege and it can, people can get very defensive. Um, and you mentioned in the corporate world where they start talking about kind of, you know, there are efforts made and at the corporate level, they're made by setting standards, setting kind of guidelines, setting quotas. And it's very easy, easy then for those, for, for certain individuals, often like myself, to feel that they are being disadvantaged because of that. And it's, it takes that second to be like, just hold on, try to view this differently. And it's, it's really interesting to kind of hear you speak with such um, kind of passion, especially about it within the CrossFit space where, where I, I class myself as a consumer within CrossFit. I don't have any real visibility into say what might be classed as slightly behind the scenes. But one of the things I was thinking about before this was like, as a consumer, it appears there could be more opportunities for women. And I, I put this out there not to, to create discussion, right? And I'm happy to be told that it's, it's different because I was like, well, but I was looking at the elite level. And I was thinking there's Froning and there's Fraser. And then there's a big gap before you get to anyone else. Maybe we'll see some others start to come through, but there's a lot more what I feel like kind of, I don't know what the right word's called. I'll come back onto this, like real estate within the kind of like the women's elite level, you know, where it's more like there's eight to 10 who all feel like, you know, they're all vying. I mean, Tia Claire Toomey, but then equally there's, there's a mass of, of others. But I really like that you mentioned about they're not the games level, it's the level below. And that's that whole, and if you took, take it back to the corporate management side, it's like, you're not looking at the VPs, you're looking at senior management, right? Or people being given the opportunity, especially, you know, when you think about everything else that kind of goes on within life as well. So now that's kind of really interesting. Yeah, it's exactly that. The top, you know, the top 15, you'd say at the games, maybe top 20 are getting decent contracts, decent visibility. Hmm. They're able to make a living off it. I'd say even ones who are making the games, but perhaps lower down, they're paying their own way there. You know, they, mm. they, and we've seen that as well this year with quarantines and stuff. People having to pay out of their own pocket to go and compete at the yeah. games. Like, that's ridiculous. And yeah, and like you said, the female side of the sport is so competitive, so watchable. Like, I often prefer watching the female elite because it's a bit more interesting a lot of the time. Um, you know, and they get paid the same. So then why isn't that trickling down? Like, why is that only at this top level? And then why are all these other athletes not getting that same equal opportunity? Mm -hmm. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. One thing I I want to link in, and again, this is because I think it's a fascinating discussion is, um, and it's really timely that, so we're discussing this, the the Monday after on Saturday, Emma Raducanu, won the US Open, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal achievement. One of the things I've really heard, and I'm going to relate this to Andy Murray. Now, admittedly, they went through different routes. Andy was around for a little bit, um, although some would be like, Emma's been around a long time. She's just not had, which is another kind of perhaps um, discussion. But I've been hearing stuff around how she's marketable, how she's going to be have, you know, uh, endorsement deals laid at her feet. I don't remember anyone saying that about Andy Murray when he was um, when he won Wimbledon Um, equally. And so my wife and I were listening to the uh, five live coverage of it because we were driving back from holiday. And Pat Rafter was one of the people on and he went, Emma's the full package. She's pretty. She's polite. She's talented. And my wife and I just turned to each other and we're like, oh, that's a mistake. Why is her her appearance got anything to do with it? And I guess I just put that out there because I'd love to hear your thoughts on is that is that just a reality of the consumer market or is that something that we should be 
is, is CrossFit getting ahead of that in terms of performance being, because we always talk about it's performance over appearance, but is that still something that we're, we need to be trying to move away from? I, I think it's a mixture. I might be controversial on this, but I think uh, CrossFit promote the, the top, the podium athletes, absolutely. But they do tend to promote more of the conventionally attractive women, I would say. As, and I mean by that sort of blonde, tall, mm-hmm. Icelandic, really. Um, but more of what might be considered conventionally attractive worldwide. So um, I think they're all, obviously, they're all attractive, they're incredible women. But there, there definitely seems to be more of a focus on that. Um, so, for instance... I'd say someone like Brooke Wells, who is up there, is in the top 10, gets a lot, gets a lot of attention, gets a lot of coverage, gets lots of media coverage. She's fantastic. She does deserve that. Someone like Laura Horvath doesn't get that, yet she came second in the games. Um, Also, there's a bit of a European-American divide there, I think, which is a problem. But even like Carrie Pierce last year, she doesn't really get the same attention that that Brooke gets or maybe Hayley gets, and yet she's proven herself. Um, I, yeah, I see there being a massive problem with that, whereas... The male side, I don't think it is as much driven by marketability or attractiveness or whatever it wants to be. Um, yeah, if you look at the female side, it does tend to be, yeah, conventionally attractive. I'll use those words. That's a difficult word to use, but I, I think there is still a problem. I think we're, it's better than other sports, so much better than other sports. Like you said with the tennis, that <laughs> it's wound me up so much that they're like, oh, she's so pretty and she's young. It's like cool, great, that's absolutely no bearing on her ability whatsoever. Why are you talking about this? Um, it's terrible and it's terrible, that's focus and that's so that's sending such a bad message to young women and I hate that. Um, we're better than other sports, but we've still got a long way to go. Um, end of the day, brands want social media attention and they want, um, they want eyes on them. They want eyes to come to their website. So they're going to look for people that have a big following. That's It's slowly moving a bit more towards engagement. I think brands are starting to cotton on to the idea that it's not just about following. It's also about having an engaged audience. But if they've got someone like Emma has got 1.5 million followers, you know, she's got a huge, huge following on Instagram. So she is very marketable for that reason as well. Then it becomes a chicken and egg thing. Do people just have a big following if they are like more conventionally attractive or yeah how do we drive that so it it's a really really tough one um i think we as consumers maybe need to just become a little bit aware of our bias a bit more um think who we're engaging with on instagram who we're following you know are we following everyone just regardless based on performance or are you actually following someone because of what they're posting like Mm -hmm. we we need to be aware of that as well because ultimately we're driving the follower levels on instagram which is then what the brands are consuming which is it it all follows on so i think we have some say in that if we all suddenly start following other people they're the ones that brands are going to focus on yeah yeah it's uh i've I've spoken about this on another podcast before and that kind of like social media responsibility that we all have as kind of contributors to that sphere um because you know the number of times you know, you can put a lot of effort into a post, whether it be the original content, whether it be, you know, heartfelt thoughts within the caption. Um, and it can, you can then feel like it, it full, it's not, doesn't get the reception that you want. And then there's always that blue tick gravitation, right? So whoever the person might be, you know, if they've got a decent number of followers and they then it's like, it's just a photo of them holding a drink and they've just said lol in the caption and it's got like it just blows up and you're like what 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 value is that bringing and i think you make a really good point of being like you know recognizing um the responsibility we all have to kind of like support that and i I think one thing that's really you mentioned about chicken and egg because there's that element of like you know what what comes first the following or the endorsements but i suppose especially within within crossfit and maybe this is getting into more specifics around management is that like having that support, having those endorsements can then free you up to hone your craft, to kind of make it to more competitions, to increase your exposure. So there's that element there of like, which comes first, the the following, which brings the endorsements, which allows you to train, which brings the following. And, and so it's, uh, there's, there's that element of like having that, that opportunity. Yeah. It's so tough and it's so tough for athletes trying to make it and get to that level. Um, uh, one of my athletes is Lucy Campbell, who came second in the UK. Uh, she's insane. She's incredible. She's such an amazing athlete. 
she has about two and a half thousand Instagram followers. So brands look at that. Um, and you know, we're working on getting sponsorship deals and stuff because she's an incredible athlete. And the aim is to get her being able to, you know, not have to rely on her work full time, but be mm. able to train more so that she can make it to the next games level. But brands see the following and aren't necessarily going to then pay for a following like that. You know, they, they look at someone who has 20,000, 30,000 followers, you know, mm-hmm. then that becomes really hard because how is she ever going to then be able to fully dedicate herself and see her true potential unless she's getting the support. So it's, it's so, so tough and it's mm-hmm. so frustrating and the athletes get just so wound up by it that, yeah, yeah I'm trying to, yeah, I, my role is to do what I can to help. Um, but there, there's definitely work needs to be done. And you said about, I think we will have that responsibility, something that I've seen. And I think, you know, I've seen this from the ex-endurance side, some of our athletes that have the bigger followings, um, their codes don't get used as much. So actually people are starting to like, use the micro-influencers who have the mm. followings. So they're the ones that are actually speaking to people who are actually listening to. So something that everyone can do is use codes and discount codes for people that you actually follow. Don't just go for the big guys with the huge followings and all the deals. Go for like some of the smaller guys because that's a great way to support them because often there's commission based on that. So it'll give them a kickback, but also it shows the brand. They don't need to have the massive players. They can have these micro influencers with a smaller following and they can still be really effective. So that's something we can, we can all work on. I think. Uh, I think that's a really good, um, good specific call to action that people can do, right? Because we all buy things, you know, we're always looking for a discount code. I regularly buy stuff from my protein and I always go off and use Emily Dwyer's. So. <laughs> I, I guess then so talking around, like, you know, you mentioned around say the, the aspiring games athletes, the middle, the middle tier, maybe this is a bit of a, how long's a, a piece of string question, but like when, because I mentioned at the beginning that this sport is not, is so young. There's not a, a set route that people take into kind of like represented sport. Um, you know, talking about Lucy Campbell there, it's not like there's a grassroots support network. You know, I'm sure team GB aren't typically kind of asking you to fill in how many Instagram followers do you have when they're considering you for performance track. Maybe they consider it later, but not at the point of entry probably. Um, so when is like management something that kind of, again, how long's a piece of string, something that people should be considering. One of the things I was thinking when I when I was thinking about this question was, for me, it, like management implies that there's money to be made, but enough to be shared as well. So I, I welcome that as a, that's not the case, but you know, is, is that a question you can answer? Like, when's it something to consider? It, it is, yeah, it is that, it's a different question. Um, yeah, you're right. So the way managers would get paid is off commission. So ultimately, the athlete needs to be making some form of money off their sponsorship deal that the manager can take some cut of that to be able to, you know, afford to live. So there, it takes a certain level to once you start getting some cash in. Um, I've been fortunate in that I'm doing this alongside a full time job. So I see this very much as I'm learning the ropes still, I'm still figuring out. So a lot of my athletes I'm working with, I'm not necessarily making money off those athletes at all. Um, I want to just help them and see them grow. If this were my full-time job, I'd have to be a lot more cutthroat on, I need to be making some money. So mm-hmm. they need to be bringing cash in. Um, but a lot of the time in CrossFit, the deals are tiny. All the deals are product only deals. So the majority, yeah, maybe 80% of the deals I have with athletes are product only um, or commission only, which means I don't get anything from that. Um, but like I said, I'm in a fortunate position. I'm seeing this as kind of like an internship at the moment. Like mm. if I get some cash, great, but I want to learn. Um, but yeah, that's where I think people, once it starts getting to the fact that you're you're looking at getting paid, it's hard to determine what that level is. Like I said, it is based kind of off following, but I think there's a bit of a performance driver to that. But if people are getting, you know, if they're posting regularly, if they're posting sort of every day, you're getting a decent engagement. You're maybe approaching that sort of seven, 8,000 follower mark, something like that. You're growing a following. You actively want to grow that. Um, then you're in a position to start thinking about negotiating some contracts. A lot of people will just take product deals and without thinking about actually you could make some money off this. There's a really fantastic Instagram called 
I think it's like influencer pay gap or something like that. And it's mostly like fashion and beauty and that kind of stuff. But people post up there the deals that they get. So whether it's a one-off post or like a long-term campaign with someone, they're saying, you know, I've got this many followers, I get paid this much, and this is what I have to do for it. And you see that in fashion and beauty, they, they've got a thousand followers and yet they're getting paid like a couple of hundred pounds for a post, which does not happen in CrossFit. So then nope. <laughs> yeah, and that's when people realize, oh, wow, we are not getting a good deal here, like at all. So there's a lot of work to be done in CrossFit to get to that stage. But if you are putting out good content, you can get paid for that and you deserve to be paid for that. Um, look at other industries, people are getting paid for it. Why aren't we getting paid for it in CrossFit? So if you start getting to that stage where you're like, I know I get good, I know I put good content, I know I get good engagement, I've got an okay following, then yeah, you can get paid for it. And having a manager means that you don't have to do negotiation, which negotiating on behalf of someone else is so much easier than trying to do it for yourself. <laughs> I can do it any day for someone else and it comes to me, it's like, oh. Um, so that's the point where a manager can step in because they can help you with that and help you negotiate it and help you push for more than you probably ever would. Like my aim with any of the paid contracts is that they're making more, even with the cut that I take, they're making more than they would have done otherwise. Mm. So I see it as a win-win because you're both getting something out of it. Yeah. And that that has been how it's gone so far. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult answer, long-winded answer, but I think management can help a lot, but it's just, yeah, it's, you, you've got to be getting some kind of cash out of it. But um, I, I think if people wanted to start out with management and they want to do it more as a hobby, like a side thing, you know, and they have the flexibility to do that, then so much of it, I think, is just taking away some of the stress from the athlete. Like it's not just about yeah. sponsorship deals. It's about helping them with just all the commercial aspects like media and social media and websites, I don't know, blogs, like all of that stuff. I help with all of that. I'm mm -hmm. the other person to their coach. They have their coach, their training stuff, and then they have me for just all the other crap that goes on. And I can help stuff. I can help them manage stuff. When, you know, once we get to more in-person in competitions, I can be there to I don't know, carry bags. Like yeah. I'm just helping. Um, yeah. So a manager role is a lot more than that, but ultimately the way we get paid is through commission. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting because you saying around you you're doing it alongside a full time job and you see it as a little bit of an internship. But when the rule book is still being written and how this works within the CrossFit space, there's a lot of that's what's needed. People willing who are passionate about it, willing to kind of put time into it to simply be someone who else, someone that you can speak to who has you've got and you have experience of both sides of the brands, so you can kind of be like you know, and it's not about okay, how are the pull-ups going? How's the deadlift? How's the squat cycle going? You can actually be like, okay, let's, you know, you can talk to your coach about that, but how can I help with whether it be like, you know, the the brand strategy and the kind of, um, you know, the creating a presence, which, you know, is where endorsements, where commission and, and things can come from. But equally then, like you were just saying, kind of just take a little bit of the stress off um, some of the athletes when we all know that, you know it's hard to think about anything else when you're on the competition floor so you know if someone else is kind of like don't worry i'll have this ready for you or i've booked your hotel um here's your your or going forward here's your pcr test right you know here's all, all that stuff right which because there isn't the there isn't kind of like uh even the logistical support at events we we mentioned earlier on that you know athletes are pay, competitive crossfit is still a pay to play sport so if you can have someone in your corner whether it be kind of as a collaborative effort or a paid effort then that, i think that's really important yeah i see i see my role as taking away any stress from the athlete that i can so they can just focus on the training and competing like whatever that might be i'm there just to take that off their pants so all they can do is just focus on train and compete and be the best they can um so i've i've spoken a lot with snorri snorri has helped me um helped me out and been a bit of a mentor and he's Sarah's manager BKG's manager he's an absolute rock star um and he's he always describes it as like yeah I carry their bags I'm their bodyguard I'm just an organizer like I'm there for all that kind of crap and that's what we do like we're, we want them to be the best they can be and so whatever I can do to help with that I will and I even whilst I'm sort of doing this alongside and eventually it's going to get to a point where I think right I need to be a bit more commercial with it and maybe that's 
only working with athletes where I can, you know, make something from it. But I'm hoping that I can enjoy it as much as I can and, and still help people out. And, and even to the point that people who I don't officially work with, you know, I'm always welcome. Oh, and I'm really pleased to hear that like Snorri's been really supportive. I'd say I perceive him to be one of the biggest names in athlete representation this side of the Atlantic. Um, and it's great to know he's providing kind of like support to you in your aspiration into kind of athlete representation as well, especially, you know, when you were talking about wanting to see more women um, kind of both doing well with as athletes, but equally being represented by, by women as well. Cause you know, my, my understanding of Snorri is he's a big Icelandic guy. So it's great to kind of know that he's he's supporting you as well. He's been just the best. Like I, I'd only spoken to him once before, actually through the podcast. And um, I reached out to Cooper Marsh. I actually heard Cooper on uh, Coffee Pods and Wards. So I heard that interview and I was like, oh, I'm kind of thinking about doing this. Like I might be interested. I, you know, maybe I should reach out to him because he works with X Endurance in the States. So I reached out and was like, oh, I kind of want to do it, but I just don't know where to start. And he was like, right, go speak to Snorri. Like, just start over there. He's based that side of the Atlantic. Like, go and speak to him, see what he says. And I was like, oh, like, is he going to give me a tie-in? Do I just reach out? And so I reached out and was like, can I just chat? And he gave me so much time, gave me so much advice. I came out of it. I went into a meeting thinking, maybe I can just help him out with some stuff. And then I came out of it being like, right, I'm setting up a company. <laughs> I'm like, is this happening? Um, and he's just been so supportive and encouraging because like you said, there's not many managers in the space. So we all recognize that if we support each other, we help the space grow bigger pie so if you're all kind of helping each other out and you know not being uber competitive about it then you can get more brands coming into the space which gets more money yeah. for it, which helps everyone else so he like that's how he sees it is the, the at the moment the more people who are doing it the better because it's getting more cash into it it's getting more eyes on it Oh, and I'm pleased to hear that kind of some of those connections came from hearing people on podcasts. So I'm going to finish there with praise for podcasts. You know, there's a, there's a, we, we bring some value. And, and I really hope people have enjoyed listening to this, both kind of a bit knowing a bit more about you, but the passion and insight you bring into kind of how we can start to mold this, this sport, this community further. And uh, no, it's been great to talk to you, Jessica. So thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. And a good look at the Arnold Fitness oh, Games as well. Yeah, don't. It's so soon. <laughs> Cheers then. Bye.